but you know don't surrender you know life keep go- keeps going on and you have to if you can run today walk you know just go out there walk don't run but just do something but never stop Dizwins Radio episode 690 starts in three, two. Welcome back to Diz Runs Radio, where I talk with runners from all corners of the running world about running, life, and everything in between. I'm your host, Denny Cray, and it's just about time to head out the door for an easy run and a great conversation. So if you're ready, then I'm ready. Let's get started. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, just want to uh, give a shout out and a thanks once again to the folks over at Exoskin who are supporting the show, sponsoring today's episode. Um, and you know, we, we've been talking about Exoskin, uh, the, the gear they make, you know, dry fit kind of material, high, really high tech. Um, quality, quality stuff from socks to shorts to shirts. And, and I guess that's pretty much everything in between. Right. But, uh, there's some other products on the way as well. But, uh, one thing that, that, uh, maybe you've been thinking is like, Diz, these, these things sound great, but, uh, you know, it's still the middle of the polar vortex where I live. And, uh, as such, what do I need to worry about dry fit materials for like right now? Like sounds great. And maybe come spring and summer, uh, I'll go ahead and, and, and grab you know a, 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 some of the gear, grab some of the, the shirts or the, the tights, the shorts, whatever. Um, but right now, it's too bloody cold for me to worry about dry fit gear. Makes sense, you know. Florida problems, right? Um, being in being in Florida, I forget that uh, you know just because it's uh, back to to running without a shirt weather. Uh, finally, even at five o'clock in the morning, it, that may not be the case where you are. Exoskin, the, the, the gear that they have, the, it, it doubles as not only a great dry fit, sweat wicking type of material, but it also is a great base layer type of material to help you actually stay warm. You know, it's not super thick and, and like thermal like some of the other products that might be available are, but boy, it does a great job of keeping, of, of you know, when it's cold out, actually trapping the body heat and helping you stay warm without you sweating, without you, you know, getting, getting, that sweat moisture trapped to your body, which then helps you actually get colder, you know, when you stop running or things like that. So, um, you know, if it's, if it's time to step up your, your game in terms of base layer materials, um, here's a great chance to go two for one. You know, it works great in the winter also works great in the summer to, to wick the moisture away and keep your body cooler. Um, and right on the homepage, if you scroll down, you can actually see some thermal images, um, of, of what it does and how it looks, uh, both in the heat and in the cold, you know, at, at 83 degrees Fahrenheit and at uh, 33 degrees Fahrenheit, it's, it's actually pretty, pretty interesting. Uh, and it's all third party tested. It's not stuff that they've just done there themselves. It's, it's third party tested, uh, and, and really shows that it keeps you warm when you want to stay warm, keeps you cool when you want to stay cool. So, uh, that's, that's how good this stuff is. Yes. It might be a touch on the pricey side. If you first look at it, sticker shock, but it's worth it. You get what you pay for, and you can save 20% by using the code DizRuns when you get to checkout. So exoskin.us is the website. DizRuns at checkout saves you 20%, um, and it's worth it. It's well worth it. It's, you take care of this stuff. It'll last you a long time. Uh, maybe not forever because, you know, I mean, we, we wear things out eventually. But uh, you'll get more than your money's worth if you get yourself some exoskin gear. So check it out, exoskin.us. And now let's go ahead and dive in. To today's episode of the show. Hey guys, my uh, guest today is a woman that I've been uh, following for a little while now. She's a fellow uh, Ultra Rud Team member slash ambassador slash whatever you want to call us. So you know, we've been in the Facebook group together for a couple of years now, and uh, she's definitely gotten uh, done done some things that are certainly worth talking about. And so I'm excited that we've finally been able to uh, connect and uh, have a chat here for a little bit. Uh, obviously, she's a runner. She's an Ultra runner, uh, and she's also no stranger to uh, to finishing or. or competing near the front of the back front of the pack. Uh, she's been on the podium a few times, won a race. I mean, just, just a uh, pretty, pretty awesome, uh, runner, but, uh, you know, she's even more like all of us are, she's even more than, than just the runner. And, and she's certainly, uh, shown, uh, an ability to keep pressing on no matter what obstacles, uh, end up in her path, uh, which I'm sure we'll get into several of those as we go today. So without any further ado, it's definitely a pleasure to uh, be able to welcome Miss Patsy Ramirez Arroyo to the show. Uh, thanks for joining us today, Patsy. Really appreciate it. And certainly looking forward to it. 
Hi, Danny. How are you? I am doing well, thanks. And guys, if, if you want to connect with Patsy and, and follow along with, with her journey and, and on the social medias, things like that, Facebook and Instagram, pretty simple. Just just basically her name uh, on Facebook. You know you know, how, you know how to do the search on Facebook. On Instagram, it's at Patsy Ramirez Arroyo, all one word. Um, and, and the spelling on that, not that I think that probably need to, but just in case, just in case you're not sure, P-A-T-S-Y-R-A-M-I. Uh, R-E-Z-A-R-R-O-Y-O, Patsy Ramirez Arroyo on Instagram, Facebook, and on, on the Twitter. If you want to follow her there, although her Twitter is a bit more uh, kind of work-related stuff than, than running. But, you know, if you're on only on Twitter and you want to connect with her, no no problem there. At Patsy underscore Homera, H-O-M-E-R-A. And uh, as per usual, I have everything linked up in the show notes for today. Dizruns.com slash 690 is the link that will take you there. So Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the places. Not much of a, not much for a web, web, uh, web page, web blog, anything like that. But, uh, you know, she's, she's a busy lady. So we're going to cut her some slack on that front. Um, but anyway, Patsy, now that we got through all of, all of that, uh, the, the housekeeping kind, kind of stuff, letting everybody know where they can find you, um, we'll, we'll get this party started with the, with the same introductory question that uh, I've, I've been asking everybody since the, since the beginning of the show. I'm kind of surprised that this was something that uh, has stuck around for, uh, gosh, 600 and whatever, 690 episodes. But, but here we are still asking the same question because it's a great way to start the conversation. Uh, and it's just to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why? My favorite distance? Um, I have to say it's 100 miles. <laughs> okay. Um. I, when I decided to go into ultra running, um, 50 was a tough beginning and I had to take a break and come back. So then I decided to jump from 100 K to 100. And even though I've done bad water and I have longer goals, 100, it's that special place that I, I did for last year and I will go in in this. I could say like personal, like budget that um, I get disconnected and I could travel and I could heal and I could think that I will say that's my my favorite. I could go through a lot of emotions, a lot of thinking and, you know, pains and sorrows and happiness. And I have to say that's my favorite uh, distance, a hundred miles. <laughs> Whew, that's uh, as as everybody who listens to the show regularly knows, and, and uh, whenever I talk to ultra runners, and we get these what, what I consider crazy distances. You know, whether it's a hundred k, well, shoot, whether it's fifty fifty miles, a uh, hundred k, hundred miles, and, and like you said, I mean, bad water is even longer, and you, know, you got some ambitions to go even farther than that. It just blows my mind the idea of of running, you know, a hundred miles, running whatever it, whatever it ends up taking you, somewhere between you know twenty one, twenty two hours, and thirty hours, depending on on the course and and all that kind of stuff. But it's just it's just, uh, I mean, just, wow. Like, like what a, what a feat of, of endurance and, and accomplishment, things like that. And, and four in, in one year, that's, uh, that's pretty ambitious. If, uh, I, if I do say so myself. Yes, yes. It was, a part of a challenge, uh, because I, I had my bigger goal in getting into bad water. Mm-hmm. So that was part of my, my prep year, I could say for my application to be ready because, you have to be ready when you put mm-hmm. that application to buy water. You you shouldn't put that application if you're not ready. So I think it, I think it really helped me doing those four one hundred. Everything that I went through uh, in those four one hundred. So yeah, definitely you go through a lot of emotions in there, and and they're great. I, I love that distance. I love that distance. Yeah. Fair, fair enough. I uh, have have said I used to say I'll never run an ultra, um, and then I've I've uh, you know been been cajoled into doing a, a 50k and I've, I recently did another one and uh you know kind of if, if maybe looking at, at doing another 50k at some point um uh, but I've I've definitely uh come around to the idea of not saying never for a hundred miler for me um I'm gonna I'm gonna say right now uh I'm not gonna do one anytime soon but uh who knows it's it's I would be lying if I said that talking to folks like yourself and, and others that have run these kind of, of crazy distances, it's, it's planted the seed into my head of, of seeing, you know, seeing what it's like. So, um, wow. I just, just, it's just, it's just incredible. And, and, uh, you know, kudos to you, but, uh, curious, Patsy, how'd you, how'd you get started in running? Is that, is that something that's always kind of been uh, part of your life or how'd you, how'd you end up going down this, uh, this, this road or trail, depending on, on which, uh, which race you're doing that uh, has gotten you to this point in your life? Um, no, actually I ha- I was tapering for, I could say 39 years in my life. I never <laughs> was an athlete. I never was an athlete, not even when I was in high school, college, anything. It, it was completely out of my life, like doing any sports or anything. And I, one day I was, this is a funny story, but I was watching, um, with my kids, they say, 
Puff Daddy is going to run Puff Daddy Pididi, however he wants to be called today. He's going to run a marathon. And so I just decided to watch MTV that they were doing a marathon. And I, at that time, I wasn't sure, not even what was a marathon. I, I wasn't clear in the distance or anything. And I thought that was so exciting that I told my daughter, before I'm 40, I'm going to run a marathon. So by 39 years old, I was running the Chicago Marathon. So I trained for a year and I was running the Chicago Marathon. And that was my, my beginning. So it was from nothing to in a, a year later, I was getting a pair of shoe, tennis shoes. And one year later, I was running the Chicago Marathon. And from there, it was nonstop. Um, it was uh, from marathons to Ironman to cycling events. So it was like a complete thing. It was only run. It wasn't only running. I was doing like other stuff. I got excited about, you know, doing everything like at once. And from there I went to ultra running. So I've been in ultra running for the last years and it's my favorite thing. It's like a community, like none other. And I could say this being a previous marathoner, Ironman and everything, the ultra running community, it's unique, unique. It's, it's, you know, supporting, you get friends, uh, it's a family. It's really, really, really a family. So I'm in love with this community. I'm, I'm really like in love with this ultra running community. Yeah, that's something that I've, I've certainly heard uh, other people talk about that both on the show and just in, in other, you know, conversations online, social media, in person, things like that. And, and definitely something that I've, I've, experience maybe just a, a taste of um you know like i said i've, I've done two 50ks uh neither of which had uh 100 mile options so it wasn't quite the same type of maybe an environment as what the i would as what i would imagine the 100 mile uh group to be although the one the, the most recent one i did just a few weeks ago did have a, a 50 mile and a, and a 100k option so there were some folks that were there you know they were they were in it for the long haul uh not just the the whatever it was six hours six plus hours that it took me to do the the 50k um but yeah, it is, it is, it's, it's crazy. And, and, you know, not speaking bad about the running community. I, I don't know. I have any experience with the Ironman community, but I'm a sermon for the most part, it's probably a pretty good community too, but there is just something, something special about, uh, the, the, the ultra running community and the, the people. And, and, uh, it's, it's hard to put a finger on it, but it is, it is a special group to be around. Oh, definitely. Um, and for example, I had, I did a 100 K and then I did my four 100s and all of them I decided to do on crew. So it was like a solo journey for me. I wanted to do this on crew. I wanted to learn and endure the whole thing on my own. But even I, even though I was alone, it became a family for me because I met people in every single event. I met people that I have contact nowadays mm -hmm. and I still keep contact with them even though I was in my journey alone. So it, it is a very, very special community. People, even though they compete, because you know it, it's very normal to have your ambition and your goals and everything, but people look out for you when you're in ultra running. And I'm saying this from a 100K to bad water. I've been there with, you know, people that are already uh, veterans at bad water. I was running with them last year. And they look out for you, even though they are running with their own goals, with their own struggles, they will, they will, you know, keep that sense of family when you're out there. So that's very special. Yeah, certainly. Um, you, you said that, uh, and I didn't realize this until just now, but that, that you ran the hundreds without, without a crew, um, which, you know, I mean, it's not, it's not unheard of. It's not something that, uh, maybe is, is the most common way, but usually, at least in, in my experience of talking to, to a handful of folks, um, you know, that's something that you've done that, that a lot of people do after they've, they've done a couple hundreds. It's like, all right, well, let me see if I can do this without a crew now kind of add, add to the challenge a little bit as if, as if the hundred miles isn't, isn't uh, enough of a challenge. Why did you decide to go that route from, from the beginning for your hundred miles? It was more of, um, I could say about enduring and resilience to, proving to myself that I was resilient enough. And for example, I did like my whole planning and I, you know, I do this in my work and my personal life. You have to plan. You can, you know, wing it in life or you can do that in your work. You have to really plan and be focused and be goal oriented. So I, for, when I was going to a 100 mile, a, I will sit down, I will plan my nutrition, I will plan my like scenarios, like if I'm doing good, this will be my pace in each 
uh, eight station. If I was doing a bad run, this will be where I'm going to be in each eight station. So I will plan like what I have to have in each drop bag. Because you're, if you're on your own, you need your drop bags. So I, I wanted to have my own nutrition, my own hydration. So I will prepare each draw bag. What, what will I need in there? And it was funny because I will write my own notes. Like I was talking to myself. I will tape them to the bags. So it was instructions like change your socks, put Vaseline in your feet. Uh, you know, all things that you think are normal. But when you're tired, you stop thinking. So they were all in there. So for me, it worked out being on my own, thinking on my own. And, you know, I had good races and I had bad races. For me, Rocky Raccoon was a bad race, but I survived Mm -hmm. in the situation because even though I was on my own, I have my own plan for a good scenario and for a bad scenario. So I think everybody has to do that. You have to learn how to survive, not depend on just a crew. You have to what I'm going to do if I'm out there running 100 miles, you know, I put my family, uh, you know, on hold or my work on hold to do this training. So you have to be ready for good and bad when you're out there. Yeah, certainly. And, and I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't disagree with that at all. Curious if there were ever any times maybe during the race where you, where you, um, I don't know, we're, we're second guessing the decision where it'd be like, gosh, it would be, it would be kind of nice to have somebody here right now to tell me to do some of these things or to, to pace me a little bit so I can, you know, I don't have to think and, and follow the course myself. I can just follow, you know, somebody who, who can, can kind of lead the way. Were there ever any uh, reservations about not having a crew or was it uh, always, always this was the right decision? Um, no, in the 100, I only had a, because I had an accident with my ankle and I had a previous accident in December with my ankle, but I still wanted to move forward and do Rocky Raccoon. So my ankle wasn't strong enough. So I was running a risk that I paid, but I finished, but, um, I never thought about it will make a difference to have a crew. So the first time I was going to have a crew, it was in bad water. Right. So at that time, it was for me a challenge because bad water by itself, it's a challenge. And having to learn how to go along with the crew, it was another challenge. So we had a big, you know, we have months of preparation and knowing each other and everything. But even when we get to Vegas and we pick up everybody at the airport and we have our pre-race meetings and all that, it got to a point that previous to the race, when we were at Furnace Creek, I talked to them and I said, I have to say this is the first time I have, you know, I, everybody knows, but this is the first time I'm going to have a crew. And, you know, if I, I do, you know, at a point I lose on it or I don't think I will, but, you know, if something happened, I just want to say I'm sorry in advance because <laughs> I've never had a crew before and I don't know, maybe I don't know how to handle a crew, mm-hmm. but everything went so perfect that, you know, I went over it and I had the best crew ever. So it, it makes a difference to have a crew. Maybe you don't need it for every race, mm-hmm. for, but for some special events, you need a crew. It, it, it will make a difference. Yeah. So, and I was, I was going to ask, you know, what it was like with, with having a crew for Badwater, though you kind of just filled this into that. But for those that aren't aware, it's, it's not an option at Badwater. You have to have a, a crew, right? I, I feel like I've, I've heard that before. Yes, yes. You okay. need a crew. You need a. You need your support car. There's no aid station. To, there are checkpoints mm-hmm. in bad water, so you need a car. You could. Um, you have your crew chief, and you could have from two to four in your crew. So I had a crew chief. He wasn't a runner, but he's a very experienced crew chief, and I have three runners with me, and they all have experience of crew persons and pacers. So. It was a challenge for me because they've been in that side of being a crew person and a pacer, but I've never been a crew or a pacer. Uh So for me, it was a complete challenge. Um, And I had to say that I was a little bit uptight about it. I know my crew chief because he's from Puerto Rico, even though he's done Ram and all the big events like Hulu, 508 and all the big events. um, I, I told him beforehand i'm like i'm a little bit uptight about the crew thing because i've never been exposed to a crew but he worked the way we work everything beforehand like how to get in sync it worked out perfect perfect you know uh, 
they did their best. They did their best. And in bad water, you really need everybody very in sync when, you know, mm. they're growing one person because it could make it or break it in there, your crew. So it worked out really well. And I was so happy to have my crew, that crew that I had in there, because everybody did everything possible that I make it to Mount Whitney. Mm-hmm. Has, has that experience of, of having a crew and obviously having it be a positive experience changed your outlook for other races? I mean, do, do you think that you might try to get some type of a crew or pacer for, for races in the future or, or go back to, to doing it by yourself again? Um, yeah, um, actually, um, I'm planning this year and I'm like going in between, like, why should <laughs> I do in this one? Why should I do in, you know, I could survive this one without a crew, but I would love to have somebody in there. And for example, I applied to Spartathlon, Mm -hmm. which is in September. And even though I know people that they've done it without a crew, and that was my original plan when I was, you know, when I had my, my plan that I was going to do one year by water, one year I was going to apply for Spartathlon. I'm like, I want to go on my own because in that one I could go on my own. I'm like, maybe I want to take somebody, even though they can't run because it's not allowing there. Right. Maybe I want to take somebody. So, yeah, at this point, it makes you think like in which one you want to take a crew or you don't want to take a crew. The thing is, the crew is somebody, it's something that it needs to be in, in my case. For example, none of my family members were in my crew mm-hmm. in bad water. And it's very normal for people to ask why you don't take your husband or your, you know, one right. of your kids in. And I'm like, it's very difficult to take somebody from your family as close as your, you know, husband or, you know, my son, my daughter. My son is being in sports with me because they're emotionally, emotionally attached. Mm-hmm. And there's going to come to a point that they're going to see you in your worst. Right. And, you know, it's it's normal for them to say you know, stop, take a break, do this, do that. And, you know, that's not what you want to hear at that point. Right. You want to hear you need to hydrate or you need to eat, you need to do this and move forward. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's, it's difficult who needs to be in your crew. And I'm saying this because some people, it's very normal to take family members in their crew, but you really have to think about it when you're doing a big event, like, you know, a bad water or, you know, something like a, that magnitude of event. So yeah, I, I want to take crew in some, but not in all of the events that I will do, you know, moving mm-hmm. on. So we'll, it depends on the event. Yeah, that's, that's true. And it's, it's, you know, one of those one, like you said, picking the right people to be on the crew is just one more logistical challenge. One more area where things could hopefully go right, but could it possibly go wrong to add to the list of things you have to plan for, you know, like you, like you talked about earlier. And so maybe I could see how doing it by, and I've never thought about this before, but doing it by yourself, it would, it's, it's, you know, yes, it's a challenge. Yes. It's a, it's, it's in some aspects making it more difficult, but in some aspects it's also maybe removing one variable of, you know, if you pick somebody, like you said, if you pick your, your spouse or a, a really good running friend or somebody like that, that, uh, that, that might be, not so willing to tell you to just suck it up buttercup and keep going forward. Um, you know, it, it's, it's, it's just one more variable and, uh, you know, on, on the longer the races, boy, having, having any more variables can be, uh, can be a, a challenge for sure. Oh, sure. Even in, you know, last year, Badwater, it was a record high in the heat. So mm-hmm. only, you know, it, they had a 30% of DNF. So if you think about it, I, you know, if I look backwards, I'm like, I couldn't imagine my husband or my kids sitting in the car for 30 something hours throwing me in that heat, miserable. I'm like, no way. I don't want them in the car. <laughs> I don't want them crewing me. <laughs> oh, goodness. Yeah. I, 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 although I think I would rather be in the car than being out, the, out on the road running. Um, what, what was, you know, we, we talked about obviously the, the logistics of, of, having a crew and things like that at Badwater, but what was, what was that race like? I mean, I've, I've again, talked to, to several people who have done, have done the race and, um, you know, everybody, everybody raves about it, even though it's, it's arguably one of the most difficult races out there between you know, starting off in, in death Valley. And then what people don't realize, what I didn't realize until I interviewed, I don't remember who it was, but the first person I'd interviewed who, who ran Badwater where it's like, yeah, after you run in the, in the desert floor all day, then you got to climb, literally climb mountains to get to the finish line. Um, yeah. You have three mountain range. Yeah. It's, it's, it's crazy to, to think about, but what was, uh, you know, for obviously you, you finished, you ran well. Um, 
is it a race that you would uh, consider doing again or, or one time enough for you? Oh, yes. Yes, definitely. Um, I, for me, it was like a goal last year when I decided to apply to Badwater and, you know, it goes to our committee to get to a media and they, you know, they have made 100 were uh, ultra runners in the world. So it's a big thing only to get in. So yes, I was like very looking forward to get in and it was a big thing, you know, it was a big thing. And, and it's not just like people say it's the toughest running, you know, ultra marathon. It is very tough. <laughs> I'm not lying to you. It is very tough. You know, the training and everything. It's, it's not only the distance, you know, you got the three mountain ranges, you got the heat, Last year, it was a record high in temperatures in, you know, 41 years that by water it's been, you know, going on. So it was very challenging when you see last year, they every year out of the 100, it's 50 veterans, 50 rookies. Uh -huh. So when you see people like a uh, record holders that they're veterans in bad water and they are DNF mm -hmm. and, you know, because people will tell you while you're running, you know, this person DNF already, this person DNF. And you're like, they're veterans here and I'm still running. It, you know, it, it, it's a challenge. It's a challenge. You know, you have to be so committed to what you're doing. You know, when I was running there, I'm like, there's no way I'm, go I'm not going to stop. Even if I have to crawl my Winnie, I'm not going to stop. I put my family, my work, I put so much on hold to do this, you know, so many hours of training, so many nights. I was doing overnight runs right. to learn the sleep deprivation, get used to the sleep deprivation. I'm like, I have to make it up there. You know, it's very challenging, but it's very rewarding. When you get there, it's like, I have no words to explain the feeling when you get to Mount Whitney to the finish line. So it's very, very, very exciting. But it's a very difficult race, yeah. you know. Well, of, of course. And, and I mean, any... Uh um, again, I mean, there's, there's, it's difficult on so many levels. It's it's the distance, 135 miles. That's no joke. It's, it's the heat, it's the climbing, it's the, the change in weather. I'm sure I, you know, once from, when you go from death Valley up into the mountains, I mean, you're going to have climate change that you're dealing with and, and, and making sure you're wearing the right, the right gear and whatnot. Uh, just all, all sorts of challenges. Um, wh one thing that, uh, and, and maybe this is just kind of a throwaway question. I don't know, but, um, you know, People that, that, that don't know, you're, you're from Puerto Rico, so you're, you know the heat. Even though it's it's hotter in Death Valley than it is uh, maybe probably in Puerto Rico, but it, you know the heat isn't maybe quite as big of a deal for you. But it's it's obviously a different heat, uh, the quote unquote dry heat versus the the humidity um, that, that we have here in Florida that, that y'all have there on the island. Um, what was what was that that just dry suffocating heat like? Was that was that more difficult than you'd experience? Have, have you run in that type of environment before, or what was what was just that part of the the race like? Well, it was hotter because the, the period that I was training in Puerto Rico, for some reason, it was milder, mm -hmm. the heat. <laughs> and I could say milder in the 70s when I was running in the morning, which is like very comfortable for me. Mm -hmm. So basically, when I was training and I was texting to the rest of my crew, one of my crew members was in Texas and he was training in a hotter temperature that I was training in Puerto Rico for bad water. So basically I was running in tights that they were for winter, oh, no. three shirts, a jacket, beanies, gloves. Mm. So I look like an odd person when I was running, <laughs> but I'm like, there's, I have to create heat. I have to mm -hmm. take it to another level, the heat. So I get used to the sweating and the, you know, the whole factor of the heat, because I don't want to be a surprise. I want to be used to this heat. So I did a lot of training, basically all my training, I was running in tights, long sleeve jackets. When I was in the gym doing workouts in my treadmill, I was with gloves, beanies. So yeah, I was exposing myself to severe heat all the time in order for me to get to bad water. Wow. Yeah. That's, it's the things, the things that we do. And I've, I've heard similar stories for bad water and, and for other races as well, where it's like, yep, you know, gotta, gotta get that heat training in, uh, no matter, no matter where you are. Um, you know, sometimes you just got to layer up and, and, uh, suffer a little bit so that on race day, hopefully things don't, uh, isn't, isn't quite as big of a shock to the system. Oh yeah. And it definitely makes a difference. And one of the things that a lot of people overlook when they're doing this kind of events is the sleep deprivation. Mm. They trend to, they tend to do all their training like during the day or, Oh, I ran, you know, 40 miles, but it was during the day. 
I did several runs that they were overnight. Like I will work my whole Friday. I will mm -hmm. go have my dinner, everything. And then I will get ready for run. And at nine at 10 o'clock at night, I will start running. And instead of doing a Saturday long run, I will do a Friday to Saturday long run. Right. And I did that just to get myself used to sleep for sleep deprivation. You know, I will run, stay awake the whole Saturday mm -hmm. just to get myself used to not sleep. That's why in bad water, I didn't need, you know, besides five minutes, uh, five minute nap, I didn't need the sleep time mm -hmm. in there. So, but a lot of people forget about that. And you're going to be, bad water starts on a sun, on a Monday night. Mm -hmm. So you're going to be two nights without sleep. So you got to get used to that. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, whew, again, adding, adding one more element of, uh, difficulty to an already, uh, difficult enough race. Um, gosh, yeah, it's, it's, the sleep is so important and, and yeah, it's, it's talk about just completely different than certainly what most of us as in the road running community where most races happen first thing in the morning. So it's, yeah, you can get, hopefully get a good night's sleep and then get out there feeling fresh and get out there and, and hammer it. But yeah, if you're starting, starting in the evening after you've already been pretty much up all day and, and running for, uh, you know. 30, 35, 36, 38, 40 hours. That's, that's, uh, whew, that's, that's a tough one. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, yes. so, uh, shifting, shifting gears a bit, Patsy, but first I want to take a, a second and pay a couple of bills. Thank the folks, uh, over at Exoskin for sponsoring today's episode, you know, talking about running, running in the heat, running and changing weather, you know, wearing, wearing all the layers to, uh, to, to replicate, uh, get your body acc acclimated, acclimated, I guess, maybe the better word, um, or proper word, uh, but, but preparing for, for a, a hot race like Badwater or any race that you've got going on or training through the summer, uh, it helps to have some good gear, some, some, some sweat wicking type of, of clothing so that you don't get a bunch of rubbing a bunch of chafing and a bunch of uh of issues like that that uh, you know can be easy to overlook but until you get in the shower and then you realize that uh you forgot to put a little a little lube on or a little uh whatever and something was rubbing you raw um you know if, if you're wearing some good gear uh you don't really have to worry about that nearly as much and that's where exoskin comes in they're they're pretty much uh Taking the the base layer uh, world uh, as far as compression gear, shorts, socks, uh, shirts, um, all of that by by storm. Uh, it's it's great great product, great fabric. Very few seams, which that, that eliminates a whole lot of chafe and rub right there. And uh, when you talk about wicking that sweat away from your body and, and keeping your your skin uh, from getting all clammy and, and uh, sweaty and, and increasing that friction level, uh, I haven't seen any products that work better. So if you want to check out the the array of, of options that they have available from different you know different types of 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 you know fits and and colors and things like that exoskin.us is the website and uh, if you use the code disruns at checkout you can save yourself uh 20 on on your order as well so exoskin.us disruns at checkout save yourself 20 so patsy like i said i, I want to shift gears just a little bit and, and we kind of hinted at some of the uh the the struggles and the uh the obstacles that you've uh, stared down and, and overcome um, in, in the intro there. Um, and, and there's two big ones that, that, that come to mind um, that I think for a lot of, a lot of folks would, would pretty much just derail, uh, derail all sorts of, of running and, and would move running so far to the back burner that, uh, you know, you might have to kind of relearn the sport eventually when you get to it. Uh, but you kind of just kept soldiering on it, at least for the first one. I, we'll get into the second one in, in a minute. But um, like we said, you're from Puerto Rico. You live, live in Puerto Rico. And, uh, you know, people probably, most people are aware that, uh, a couple of years ago, Hurricane Maria came through and, uh, I mean, just, just devastated, devastated the, the entire Island. Um, what was, I, I, I mean, I'm in, I'm in Florida. We had, we had hurricanes that, that year as well. Obviously nothing nearly as bad as what you guys had. And so I, I don't mean this question to sound maybe as, as ridiculous as it sounds, but I mean, what, when, when that, when Hurricane Maria came through and it just wiped things out, um, I mean, what was, what was the motivation to keep going? Like, like, I mean, I, I get the goals and I get that you love running and it's something to maybe kind of take your mind off of, but I, I don't even know if it would do that because you're out running, you're seeing everything when you're out there going, but, but what was, what was that like post Maria? Like as far as your running and, and why keep going at the level that you did? Well, at the beginning, even at the, you know, first hours after Maria, the reason it was just my family members because there was no, um, route in car that I would, I could get to my in-laws house or my mother house and it's three miles away, each one from my house. So we try every single route, my husband and I, and I, this, we came back home and he was all frustrated because his mother is handicapped. 
And we decide, I, I told him, you know what, I'm going to put my tennis shoes and I'm going to run there because even if I, if it's bad, the roads, there's going to be a way that I could cut, you know, jump threes or something and I could make it there. So at that point, that was the original motivation after Hurricane Maria uh, using running to get to the people, you know, that it's my family members, the people I love, my friends and see people around because it was paralyzed Puerto Rico. So nothing was going on. And I, this way I could move around and see people. So that's how I started using running after the hurricane. And then from there, I kept run, I kept running and training because I had, you know, some goals that I was going to do some events. At that point, it was going to be Havelina 100. But for, you know, logistics, airports were closed and all that. I ended up getting out of Puerto Rico ahead of time and I ended up doing Hennepin 100. So, you know, it, it became a combination of I used running to communicate at that point because it was easier than moving, trying to move in a car because there wasn't any gas. Mm -hmm. uh, gas was, uh, you know, something that it was very you have to wait for hours right. to get just gas for your car. So for me, it was easier to go in my tennis shoes. So, you know, it, it became a, a motivation just to get in my tennis shoes and start running to see everybody. And at the same time, I was training. That's how I, you know, when I got out of Puerto Rico, because I need to get my mother-in-law, which is handicapped out of Puerto Rico, mm -hmm. uh, I decided to, I could hop in the next plane and make it to Hennepin, which it wasn't my plan, but I'm like, you know, it's there, it's next weekend. I call my coach and I say, I'm just going to run that one. Uh, so it was like an unplanned thing. He was like, are you sure? You know, just went through a hurricane and you want to run 100. I'm like, yeah, I just want to go there. I just, I just need to, you know, I needed to do that at the mm -hmm. moment. And I ended up, you know, doing great. I ended up PR, uh, three hours from my previous time. So sometimes you don't plan your races and they become your best races, right. you know, and that was for me. Hennepin got a special place in my heart. It's a great race, Hennepin 100, and, you know, it came out in a perfect moment after a hurricane, and I did great. I, I finished second female, so it was great. I ended up 19 hours, 15 minutes, which it was, like, for me, like, an incredible mm -hmm. time at the moment. So, yeah, it, it, you know, it was a motivation. I never saw it, like, as a challenge. The only challenge was getting water, like, right. when I was running. But, you know, besides that, like moving and getting the motivation to wake up and running, it was never there because I was, I'm always, you know, I always had the motivation to keep running. Yeah, it's, it's, I think that that's something that a, that a lot of runners um, can, can relate to. Uh, just, you know, it's like, like even when, there's some type of, of disaster or emergency or something that, that, that really shakes up life. Um, just getting, getting out and, and like in your case, checking on family members, um, or just, just getting out and, and it, it almost gives, I think some, some semblance of just normalcy. Like when everything else is going crazy, um, there's no power, there, there's no water, there's no gas, whatever the case might be, at least, you know, a, a, a short run, long run, whatever it is, kind of makes the world seem like it's still spinning in the right direction. Was, was that part of it for you as well? Oh, yes, definitely. Definitely. You know, for me, I, it, it keep you focused, you know, in, in between all that it was going on, you know, we had the, we had a blackout in Puerto Rico. It was like a history blackout when the hurricane and, you know, water and, and gas and everything, even getting food to the supermarkets, everything became a challenge. Mm -hmm. And for me running, it was like a healing thing. Like I went out there running and I'm like, you know, I'm doing something like it, it helps me to keep focus in between all this, you know, craziness that it was going around hurricane and the post hurricane Maria, you know, in Puerto Rico, because it was really bad, really bad. I went in relief efforts in the middle of the island and it was completely destroyed. Right. You know, I live in an area that I, my house didn't have that much, you know, it didn't have damage, mm -hmm. but I went in an areas that they were like really sad, completely destroyed. I, I was there in, you know, food, uh, relief uh, efforts and all that. And it was very sad what I was looking in there. So yeah, run, running help at that time, you know, to keep right. focus. Right. Um, 
before we get to the other other kind of uh, big obstacle that you've uh, been been battling and, and overcoming, um, one, one thing you said there that I, I can't just completely gloss over is that you know you decided to jump into Hennepin had a, had a great race, um, but it wasn't it wasn't part of the plan. And, and you talked earlier about how important planning and and preparing and and kind of having that that preparation is for you. Um, Obviously, the, this situation was was a bit different with with the hurricane and, and kind of just doing it quickly. But um, you know, can, can you point to anything that that the lack of of planning before that race that that may have helped you, um, or, or or why do you think that, that that race was such a good race for you, despite the the planning that you had been accustomed to in some of the other races that you'd run? Um, yeah, the original plan was to do Javelina, which is at the end of October. And when I was in Miami, because I was taking my mother-in-law to Florida, um, I searched in a calendar and I told my husband, there's no way I could get back to Puerto Rico at the beginning of October and get a plane to go back to Arizona at the end because there was the airport was closed and I was already out of Puerto Rico. So I told my husband, I need to run a race next weekend and he's like you know and I searched literally in calendar whatever ultra marathons calendar and I saw Hennepin and I you know call my coach Jacob Pussy and I say you know I need to run it and I you know I went through the logistics with him and it was a difference of three weeks and he said what well, you've gone through the hurricane it's never worse than you know what you're going to go through the ultra marathon running 100 miles because you love running and you're going to enjoy it even if it's you know you're not three weeks ahead of what your original schedule so some of the logistics that i'm used to like having all my stuff my jackets my glove my i didn't have them but they are angels in the ultra marathon community that i call and they say don't worry i'll meet you in hennepin and you know i had a friend that she was running and she went there with all these things that i could need you know as clothing and all that so you know it became transparent at that point because I'm like, I want to do this. I really want to do this. And I, I remember running in Hennepin and it was so beautiful at that point, at what point, because I was looking at the trees and the greenery and I'm like, we lost all of this in Puerto Rico because of the hurricane, you know, everything is like a skeleton, the trees and there's no greenery. And, and it was like, I, I got to a point that I was completely transported, like in another place. And it was so beautiful that, I don't know, I got into, I, for me, Hennepin, it was like running from one station to the next one. And when I was done, I'm like, oh my God, you know, I, I, I have a PR. It was like a, one of these magical career uh, runs that you could have. For me, that was that one. Mm. You know, even though I had a PR in December, for me, Hennepin was like that special race in a difficult moment. Right, right. Well, yeah, with with just everything that was going on to be able to, to, to a to find a race that was that was, you know, logistically, you were able to get there. And and, and yeah, I, I just, you know, and, and kudos to those that, uh, like you said, the, the, the ultra angels out there that just kind of oh, yes. g- gave you what you needed and uh, let you let you get out there and do your thing and, and uh, you know part of the continue part of that, that healing and recovery process from, from the race or from the, the hurricane, obviously, um, and the race helping with that. Um, and then fast forwarding a bit, you know, and not trying to, to cut that story short, but in the interest of time, moving on to, to one other, um, pretty big obstacle that you've, that you've been, uh, fighting, uh, I think since, since, uh, Badwater, if I got my, my facts straight here, um, a little bit of a, of a cancer, uh, diagnosis and, and uh, treatment and, and surgeries and, and fighting on and, and now getting back into to running a bit more uh, since since that since that uh, diagnosis. So what what uh, it, we can go into it as much as you want or obviously as little as you want. But what was uh, the 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 whole cancer situation that you've been been battling, Patsy? Um, yeah, um, I finished my water July twenty third, and it was a Wednesday. And Friday, I was still in Vegas because I decided to stay for the weekend to, you know, recover and enjoy a little bit. And that Friday, I discovered a lump in my right breast. So that lump in August 21st, after, you know, so many tests and biopsy, they confirmed it was cancer. So it's kind of a shock because you're still in the hype of bad water and celebrating and, you know, getting all these calls from everybody. Oh, let's go and celebrate your, you know, bad water story. And they're telling you, you have cancer. So from there I had to go undergo into bilateral mastectomy in September. 
So it was a shock. It was a shock in a way that I felt that I was like on top, you know, like running and fitness and everything. And it's it's kind of, you know, you think how can I, you know, I'm I take care of myself. You know, you you think why why me? You know, I, I take care of myself. I'm I eat well. I you know I run. I you know I do everything. And why me? Why me with cancer and. That's when you humble and you, you know, you learn that cancer doesn't, you know, they, they don't choose. They just decide you're right. going to have cancer and you're going to have cancer. You know, it's not like pick and choose. So, you know, I had to go through that and it was like a shock coming from, you know, that stage that I was after bad water to just, you know, going until, you know, mastectomy, bilateral mastectomy and cancer. Luckily, it was it was discovered like in an early stage mm -hmm. so they could remove everything. And even though they could remove everything on top of it, I decided to go with a, you know, radical right. uh, surgery, not just partial surgery. So from there I had to, you know, wait weeks. And then I, I like at the half October, the end of October, they allowed me to do some runs. So it was kind of like a success when I, even though they say it's not an ultra marathon, but at least mm -hmm. you could do run some miles. It was kind of exciting to go back and run and motivate people. Like, you know, it's not the end of the world. It's just a matter of prevention and, you know, check yourself, do your exams and, you know, you could save yourself because, mm -hmm. you know, it could be a tragic story, but mine was a success story because, you know, it wasn't, you know, it was detected on time. So then from there, I had to go undergo through another surgery as part of the process and re reconstruction in mm -hmm. December. So for me running since September, it's been like, you know, a little bit from October, November. And then in January, I start all over again to run. So it's been a challenge, especially now in January. It's been a challenge. I think I look back when I, I think cancer humbles you, even though I am very, you know, firm that I, you know, I win over cancer. Still, it humbles you when you're when you think you're at the top, like at bad water. But it's a lesson. It's a lesson in life of, you know, who's there, who's family and how strong and resilient you are. And I think I learned my lesson. I think um, I, I think I always think of myself as being strong and resilient. And I think it, it makes me more strong and resilient at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I imagine that uh, obviously the situations are completely different between the, the hurricane and, and the cancer. But I, I imagine that now that you know we're kind of back into um, fairly normal start or building back up training and, and running consistently again. Um, that, that similar to with with the hurricane, that the running now is kind of helping with with the the recovery and, and the the you know healing and kind of returning life to normal a little bit as, as normal as life can be after after dealing with cancer. But is is that pretty much the case oh yes um and for example now and you know your your body go through changes when you go through cancer because you know there's hormones that goes through cancer and all that so for me when i start running in january it's been more challenging um because of all these changes in your body and your hormones and all that um, so it's been more challenging so i've been like you know for me as a runner it's been like Sometimes I'm running and I'm like, you know, even running six miles some days is like, geez, you know, six miles. <laughs> and for me, that was like, OK, let me do six miles. Like, you know, happy, you know, like, oh, I got an easy day today. It's only six miles. So it, it makes you like rethink, you know, where you are, your body, how it feels. You have to go like my coach says, listen to your body all over again. I was so confident about for me, going out to do a run, it was like all this confidence, like, oh, 20 miles, I could do that. Mm -hmm. Now 20 miles is 20 miles, you know. So you have to rebuild yourse yourself again and become stronger and more resilient. So it's a challenge, but it's a challenge that I'm like, you know, I'm ready to take. You know, I'm, I, I never look back. So I'm like, I'm up for it right now. Uh, and, and what I, I feel like that that kind of attitude is, 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 has as much to do with your, 
um, success and, and, you know, the, the recovery of, of both obviously the health and also, you know, getting back to, to your running form. Um, you know, just, just having that, that positive mindset instead of, cause it would be easy to be, you know, kind of get into a, you know, why, why me, why did this happen to me? Like you said, I mean, you were doing everything right. You're healthy, you're running, you're eating well, all, all of the things. And yet, you know, cancer, cancer found you, but having that, that positive attitude, I think, uh, you know, I, I feel like that, that goes a long way in, in everything. Um, you know, and, and, again, I mean, I'm sure that that's uh, a big part of, of why you're back. And, and, you know, I know you've got some big things planned for, for later this year and, and uh, no doubt in my mind, you'll be successful in that attitude. I think is going to play a big part. Yeah. And I'm telling you, Danny, every, you know, I know it's, it's difficult. Like I, I don't make any judgment of people who's going through cancer, but you know, don't surrender, you know, right. life keep go- keeps going on and you have to, if you can run today, walk, you know, right. just go out there, walk, don't run, but just do something, but never stop. Keep moving forward. That's for me, the important thing, you know, a, a step at a time, but keep moving forward. Don't let cancer get, you know, be the winner. You always have to be the winner in this, you know, war against cancer, or you know, this situation against cancer. So yeah, you have to keep, you know, being strong. It's what I always think with this. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of those probably, uh, you know, again, that's, that's the type of thing that, that can, uh, translate. Uh, obviously it works for, for it's, it's great for your situation with cancer and that, that mindset, but you know, whatever it is, whatever it is we're struggling with, um, cause you know, thankfully knock on wood, not, not everybody is, is, uh, dealing with cancer, although the statistics aren't, aren't real bleak or are, are real bleak. They're not real good, but, uh, but yeah, whatever you're struggling with, whatever you're dealing with, if you can't run, you know, get out and try to walk, just keep moving. Uh, and that, that's going to help you keep, uh, keep moving forward and, and keeping, hopefully keeping that the attitude positive, which like we just said, plays a big, uh, a big part in, uh, in everything in life. And, uh, as, as we're wrapping up today, Patsy, I, I like to, uh, end with, with what I call a philosophical question and shoot, you kind of just gave a philosophical answer to, uh, uh, you know, you didn't even need me to, to a- ask a philosophical <laughs> question, but, uh, you know, kind of zoom in, zoom in back out a little bit. Um, looking at, at your running career over the last, uh, whatever it's been now since, since you, you signed up for that Chicago marathon and pretty much haven't stopped and just kind of continued to, to progress through, uh, the, the, the different levels and the distances and things like that. Um, I would just be curious, uh, to, to kind of know, and, and you can answer this short answer, long answer, medium answer, whatever, whatever works for you. But, uh, can you, can you look at, at your running career and, and, and the, the things you've accomplished and, and, um, identify one or two things, maybe there's a, a dozen of them, I don't know, but, um, that, that you learned from running about yourself that, that, you know, had you never been watching, uh, MTV and, and heard that, that Puff Daddy was going to run a marathon, <laughs> um, you know, if you, if you hadn't started down this road, maybe you would have never learned these things about yourself, but, but something that running has taught you. And, and this will be a, where we'll kind of wrap things up for today. Um, resilience, I could say. Because um, even when I was running the marathons, um, for example, I had a, uh, my PR in a marathon is 317. And I had that. And from that, I jumped into like cycling and Ironman. And I had a bicycle accident with a car. And then from there, I was one year and a half out, you know, like I couldn't do anything because I had surgeries and all that. When I came back, I decided to do a cycling event. And I, that year, as a celebration of life, I decided to do a cycling event, the 375 cycling event miles, or um, an Ironman in Texas. And then I decided to do a marathon because I thought, you know, I'm in good shape. I could run a marathon. That marathon, years after my PR, I came back and I do a 317. Wow. So I'm like... I was resilient enough to come back and not let anything to get in my way. So in that same philosophy, I, you know, I moved through cycling and, you know, ultra running and all my events. So I, I, I think like my strong mind, like, um, the way that I plan my goals, like, like I told you, when I go on my own for my 100 miles mm-hmm. that I, I don't take a crew, I'm organized, I'm focused, I'm, you know, goal oriented and I'm resilient because I've been through tough times. Like I was in Rocky Raccoon and I was resilient enough. I'm like, I'm not going to quit. I'm going to finish and I'm going to get my, you know, my time. And so I think that's the best thing. And resilience is something that it's not only good in sports, it's in life. Mm-hmm. You're going to go through some tough times in life that you need to be resilient. So I'm like, well, that's one of the things that the good things that I've learned about this ultra running and running, not just ultra, just running, you know? So yeah, I could say that. 
Uh, I think that's a, a great answer. I think that's a great way to wrap things up. So once again, guys, if you want to connect with Patsy and follow along with what she's got going on and, and some of the, I mean, we didn't really even get into some of her, her goals and ambitions. Although we talked about Spartathon for a little bit, but things she's got going on this year at Patsy Ramirez Arroyo on Instagram and Facebook. Uh, and again, at Patsy underscore Omera, that's H-O-M-E-R-A. Uh, more work stuff, but if you're on Twitter, you can connect with it there as well. Dizruns.com slash 690 is the link for the show notes. We've got some photos. Uh, obviously, we've got links all there as well. So uh, Patsy, thank you uh, so much for taking the time today. Thanks for, for sharing your story and, and uh, um, just inspiring people and, and keep keep on keep after it. Uh, it's, it's great. It's been great watching you the last couple of years through the ultra group and certainly continue to, to be paying attention to what you've got going on and I uh, wish you nothing but the best going forward. And thanks for the time today. Thank you. Thank you, Danny, for inviting me to the show. Thank you very much. All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. I hope that you enjoyed the conversation today between Patsy and myself. And as usual, as you would expect, I'd be curious to know what your takeaways were from this episode. What was something that we talked about that really stands out to you? Uh, for me, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with the obvious on this one. And it's just Patsy's ability and willingness to just keep going forward and to overcome whatever whatever struggles life happens to throw in, in her path. And I'm not going to throw anybody else under the bus but myself on this one. But, you know, I've, I've been guilty of letting things slide, of letting life derail me when it's not something nearly as major as a hurricane devastating the island that I live in or live on and, uh, you know, cancer, uh, impacting my body. Um, you know, it's obviously those things are, are huge. Those things are, are big time obstacles and no one I, I think would, would have blamed Patsy if it was like, Hey, you gotta, you gotta take a step back. Like you gotta, you gotta focus on literally rebuilding your, you know, your, your life or in either of those, of those stages. Um, Yet she just kept going. She kept going. Obviously, she had adjusted. She adapted. She made some tweaks and changes, and maybe didn't do as much racing, or at least with the you know coming out of the cancer diagnosis and treatment. But she did what what she needed to do um, to not only keep running, but to take care of herself and her family and the people that that love her and care for her. And through it all, she just kept going. She just kept going. And, and that's, you know, for, for us as runners in our sport, that's, that's kind of the key. You know, our, our sport and improvement in the sport is all about accumulating time on your feet and accumulating the miles, obviously training intelligently, doing some, doing some of the little things. Like there's a lot of other things that go into play, but if we're going to get better and run farther and run faster, we've got to, we've got to run. And, you know, like I said, if a hurricane completely disrupts your life, if a job loss, some type of family situation, cancer, you know, nobody's going to fault you for taking some time off. I'm certainly not going to throw the guilt trip at you, but where, where I'm trying to get here to with my takeaway today is that I need to do a better job of, of not letting the little things of life, you know, the feeling tired, the getting caught up in social media, getting caught up in doing busy work for, for work, getting caught up in, in, in worrying about all of the, the minutia they can get in our way and realizing that, you know what? I just need to keep going. I just need to keep going. You know, I need to be smart. I need to be intelligent. I need to take care of myself, but if I'm going to reach the goals I have for myself as a runner, I got it. I got to overcome these little obstacles. Again, in Patsy's situation, there were there weren't too many little obstacles that we talked about. I'm sure she had some of those little obstacles, but you know the, the big ones are big ones, and she kept going, which is just inspiring to me to not succumb to the little thing. The again, not not the little things, good things, the little things, the little the little molehills that uh, I'm all too guilty of turning into mountains and letting something that's that's not really that big of a deal derail me for a few days, maybe even a few weeks of my training and I, when, when I would be better suited to just keep going forward. So I don't know if that makes any sense to you, um, but that's the beauty of these takeaways, right? They don't have to make sense to anybody else. As long as you can connect the dots in your own head, 
That's that's what matters. That means that you got something from the conversation today that you can use to hopefully take you forward to continue to reach your goals. And that's that's the goal of of every episode that we do here. And if you'd be willing to share your takeaway, even if it doesn't make sense to me, it doesn't matter. You know, I share mine with you every episode. I love it when uh, when some of you guys go ahead and 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 let me know what you took away from each episode. So if you're willing to do that. At Dizruns on Twitter, at Dizruns on Instagram. You can send me a message either place. Love getting those. Uh, you can also shoot me an email, Dizruns at gmail.com. And of course, you can head over to the show notes. We got some photos, we got some links, we got all of the things there. Dizruns.com slash 690 is the link that will take you right there today. And while you're there, you can obviously leave a comment down in the show notes or uh, leave a takeaway down in the comments there on the show notes page. Uh, and I'll see those, and, and everyone else will see those too, which can also sometimes spark a little conversation, which is always exciting when that uh, happens. It doesn't happen often, but when it does, it, it is pretty cool. So that is about it for today's episode. Once again, exoskin.us is the website. Uh, there's also a link to that in the show notes as well. So if you're out on the go, can't write that down, forget, just head back to the show notes for any of the episodes that they've sponsored. There's a link right there. Don't forget to also use the code DISRUNS at checkout. Save yourself 20%. Uh, grab yourself some compression socks, some toe socks, a nice a nice shirt, long sleeve, short sleeve, no sleeve. They got they got all the things. Check them out. Uh, men's and women's, obviously, different cuts for different body types. So you got whatever you want, exoskin.us. Use the code DISRUNS. And with that, we'll go ahead and officially pull this ship into harbor for today. Thank you guys for listening. As always, hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, and just, you know, hope you, hope you come back for another one uh, <laughs> when, it, when it's all said and done. So uh, until next time, please be well. Take good care. Thanks again for listening. And uh, we'll talk soon, all right? Take care, guys. <laughs>